There's no more powerful lesson than knowing that your setbacks will one day help you succeed. Reshma Saujani Hi, everyone. Happy Halloween. If you celebrate Halloween, it's a little tricky to do with COVID, but at least it's something scary. Um, okay, welcome to episode eight of Emetophobia Help. I'm Anna Christie, recovered emetophobic, licensed psychotherapist specializing in emetophobia, and your host for this podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about therapies that have failed with my guest, Zoe, who's from the UK. Trigger warnings, there are really none in this podcast. We're talking more about therapy than about emetophobia. So here we go. Um, so why don't we start, Zoe, by just having you tell a little bit of your story of what it was like for you growing up with emetophobia, like when it started and things like that. Okay. Uh, the first time I am aware of it was of the age of about seven, um, of being very aware of mum do I need to look um I don't know what to do I don't like it and being quite nobody likes it but being a little bit over not liking I had my first panic attack when I was 13 um went through my school life pretty uncomfortable um but it wasn't as big a deal as it is now I feel it's something that has grown from um a child to what I am now mm -hmm. uh, it's something I think I've built on um, but school was particularly hard because of kids with um, so-called bugs and things like that and obviously still having to go to school and expose myself to those kind of things so um, it was it was difficult but it it got worse I'd say from when I first when I was at work um, 1997 was my my very big down year. I had a, a complete breakdown. Um, oh no! Yeah, complete. Uh, 14 months of just I just was having seven panic attacks a day. Um, I didn't eat for three months. I slept for about an hour a night. Um, I was sleeping on a camp bed at the end of my mum's bed. Um, I was. Yeah, really poorly, very suicidal. Um, I think it went on for about 14 months, 17 months, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started getting some help for it, got put on antidepressants. Um, and that's where my road to recover, well, my road to kind of recovery, it's not, I mean, I've still got the phobia. Um, mm -hmm. but my road to therapy, shall we say, where that began. Um, when I was 13, I had my first therapy, but those people told me that if I hadn't been abused by my father or a family member, that there was nothing they could do for me. Well, you mean you had not been abused by anybody, and so that was their specialty, I guess. Um, <laughs> right? was, like... I think it was just not understood. I mean, bearing in mind I'm 46 now, so... Um, mm -hmm. When I was 13, I don't think there was a lot, as much knowledge about phobias, uh, anxiety, those sort of things. Um, I was just told that because that was something I hadn't been through, 
uh, they wouldn't be able to help me and that basically it was all in my head. Yeah. I hate that. Don't you hate that expression all in your head? um, As a, you know, therapist, a a student of the brain, I just want to go, yes, and like it's in your head. There's something wrong with your brain, my brain or whatever. But now what are you going to do? Because yes, of course, that's where it is. But I don't know what that even means. I can see if someone has, it says, oh, my foot hurts, and a doctor examines your foot, and there's nothing wrong with your foot. They go, it's all in your head. That makes sense. Absolutely. To say that an anxiety disorder is all in your head is just captain obvious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that was quite difficult. And I think it was just myself and my mum. My dad left when I was six. So it was kind of hard for her as well because it was what to do for the best because nobody really understood it um like I say it's in your head off you go you weren't abused and there's nothing we can do for you so um that was kind of my first ever therapy <laughs> for what it was worth well, I was only yeah, about could, five minutes <laughs> if you can call it that but I think the well, worst and the most the, the, probably the most damaging thing about that was I come out and I asked my mum the question because I said to her well could it be that I, I was and I didn't remember? And they actually had me second guessing myself because I was only, right. as I say, I was only 13. And it was, you hear of these stories of people that have been abused and they push it back in their minds and they don't deal with it. So then I started thinking, well, maybe that was, that was me, but I knew I hadn't. Yes. It, it was, I, yeah, I think, quite, I think that's, it can be, a, I mean, ap- apparently people can do that, but I, it's not as common as, as just plain remembering yeah. what happened and what did not happen. And I certainly had my share of therapists as well yeah. tell me that, oh, I must have. I think back when this repressed memory thing was kind of a big deal, and then a lot of it was discounted with further studies. Mm. You know, a lot of people blamed their parents for abusing them when they never did in the first place. So, yeah and and that was the worrying thing it was um to a point where you know would I remember you know not that I thought my mum would you know remember or know um but it it was a weird time um but that was at the age of 13. Yeah so when's the next time that you um had some sort of therapy? Um I think then my next I've had every therapy I think going so you'll have to uh-huh. kind of recall it um I think I was probably about 16 something like that and I tried hypnotherapy mm-hmm. uh the guy there was doing what they call bubble memory therapy so okay. hypnotize me what thoughts coming up right tell me what thoughts there and I <laughs> I found that every time he said that nothing was there my mind right go completely blank Mm -hmm. Um, I spent I don't even know how much on that Um, he kept telling me that I was hypnotized because I kept saying well I don't really feel any different apart from sitting here with my eyes shut maybe I'm more relaxed than normal but I don't feel any different and he at the end of I think something like 15 20 sessions um, wow about 50 pound a time He basically said that it was a repressed memory from when my dad left um, that I hadn't dealt with. 
um, and that's what it was. Um, he he referred it to a, a memory I had as a child when my dad came home drunk one day and was poorly, and I wasn't very old, um, and made in my head it probably was a lot worse um, than it actually mm-hmm. was at the time, but at the time it was quite traumatic. But he said that's what caused it. Um, therefore now you know what caused it that's okay off you go you should be better right (laughs) and that could very well be what caused it but that doesn't make it better no yeah because it's still there yeah Yeah. not by any stretch of the imagination that was um no it it didn't work um at that point i think my mum Paul Can I just go back for a sec to the to the hypnotherapy? Um, I think hip, hypnotherapy is much more popular in England than it is in America. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in Canada, but it, it's not very popular here. Like you wouldn't, it would be difficult to go find a hypnotist. Okay, um, but they seem to be popular in Britain, and a lot of people that there are big claims on the internet, you know, that that they can help you or you know get rid of any phobia or whatever you have um i will say i have known one person who used to be on the um emetophobia.org uh discussion forum she was a moderator but i don't know her real name um but she was actually helped with hypnosis and she was quite a bit better that's it one person out of thousands thousands that i've talked to and hundreds that have tried it so. for sure i mean i didn't stop there i had five different hypnotherapists i kept trying oh my um, gosh my oh mom, no paul mckenna was massive at this time um my mum wrote to him and said to him you know if you're so good at this and hypnotherapy is the cure to everything why hasn't it worked with my daughter um and he wrote back and said that he couldn't see me because he was too busy doing his telly bits and pieces but he mm-hmm. referred me to somebody in london so i used to travel down to epsom in london uh i think he was 75 pound an hour and yeah. all he did was want to make me uh drink salt water oh no excuse me a second <clears throat> um or have my friend drink salt water and me oh, listen. No. Um, he got to a stage where I was scared of going down there because I thought he might, I don't know, spike me or something or give me something yeah. going to make right. me. Um, he was also quite, I'd say, almost obsessed about booking me into the hospital that he worked at and making me ill for a week. Oh, um, no to overcome was he a a psychiatrist or a a hypnotist he was a hypnotherapist but he worked at a hospital as well so oh my um, gosh um for for mental health um so that was another one uh then i've seen three others but none of them have ever worked Um, the doctor sent me for group therapy so i tried that but I found that a lot of people wanted to sit round, and I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but sit round and feel sorry for themselves. And sure, to me, it found it felt like everybody wanted to outdo each other. There was a lot of um, 
agoraphobic people that well oh. I haven't been out of the house for five weeks well I haven't been out of the house for 10 weeks well I haven't been out for a year so mm. rather than proactive okay let's try and support each other and make each other feel a little bit happier it mm-hmm. felt very depressive it was um they would look at me because I can I've had my phobia for so long I think I I can laugh about myself and things that I've done um mm-hmm. in situations where I've bolted out and things, things like that where I've made myself look like a complete idiot oh. um and none of these people could and I just felt I wasn't getting anything from that at all um I was this is how long ago this one this therapy was I had to made uh, make a VHS video from the uh-huh. telling people being sick right and watch it okay that was their idea yep. that was keep okay watching, keep watching it keep uh-huh. watching it keep watching it so although I'd say that didn't work it did to an extent in as much as I could watch the video without reacting in the end yes but I think I kind of just got used to the video and I knew what was coming right so and that, that didn't help you generalize like ge- like generally be better no not really I mean it yeah. in as much as <laughs> I quite like and see this is the strange thing about me I quite like casualty Holby City those kind of I like real life hospital programs things like that okay mm-hmm. I could never watch those years ago my mum would watch them first tell me which bits to shut my eyes and ears at <laughs> and then oh, dear it. so it did allow me I suppose to get used to television illness so then I could watch it on the television and not go into a major panic attack right so yeah successful to an extent um not hugely but to an extent was it really hard to watch that video the very first time horrendous yeah that's because that's um you know, I mean, I do exposure therapy with people and watching videos is like almost a hundred steps from the beginning, (laughs) you know, which would be just looking at a little drawing of someone that looks a bit unwell, made in a pencil, you know. Um, I would never start with a video. That's Mm -hmm. scary. And I I had to make it myself. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Take clipping um, films that I knew had scenes in and then just make this video um and watch it as much as I could um right so I say it it in a way yes it did because then I could watch the telly without mum mm-hmm. having to watch it first and tell me which bits to shut my eyes at um but with regards to everyday living therapy if you like it no it had no impact on my everyday living whatsoever okay so what's next so (laughs) then I kind of tried all the alternative therapies so I had audio um, sorry I didn't hear that all all the alternative therapies so your uh, alternative I had Reiki Reiki. um, crystal healing okay um, regression therapy that was quite interesting Um, apparently I was in a Japanese concentration ta- camp where they gave me something to drink that made me ill until I died. 
and it's something oh. I've brought through to this life with me. Isn't that interesting? Well, you know what? You're the first person I've ever talked to who who wasn't like a king or a princess or or somebody <laughs> really important in their no. past life. I'm like, was no one just a peasant Me. making roots out of the ground? Yeah, Me. I was. I was. I was made to drink something till I died. Oh um, goodness! Well, that I, could. I mean, I shouldn't laugh. Some people really believe in that, but I'm actually glad to hear somebody at least has a story. You know, but yeah, yeah. Well, this lady made me read Tenko, the book. Okay, um, see if that brought up any feelings or mm-hmm. no, not really. Um, yeah. And I think I kind of then get to a stage where I just think nothing's going to work for me. Um, I've seen psychiatrists, I've seen psychologists. Um, I went through after my my breakdown. Um, I had another mini breakdown but it wasn't as bad anywhere near as bad as the one before and I went to see Mind um, which is a charity here Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you know of them but they're a charity um, they deal with uh, they're a free charity with mental health okay Um, but bless them I mean they do what they can do and they had me sitting down there with people that were how do you say this? They, they they had serious sort of mental illnesses um, mm-hmm. and they sat us all around with some magazines and Argos books and things like that and we had to make collages of pictures. Again, not really Sounds sure. like youth group in church when you're 13. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that that doesn't seem like something that's science-based to me. No, it was yeah. kind of, I think, the thought pattern behind it was to get my mind active and not concentrating on how I felt or what's going on around me Um, okay but again I'm sitting next to um quite a few alcoholics at that point um Uh drug abuse um that were getting excited about making collages of sofas with cats on them and things like that okay I remember coming out thinking okay, well, if this is what my life's kind of got to, then I don't really know where else I can go from here. I'm, I'm now, of... you were somebody that tried the Thrive program, is that correct? Yes, yeah, so that's the last thing I've tried. Okay, recently, okay. I've recently tried the Thrive program. Um, I did it with a, consulta- cons- ugh, a consultant. Yeah, um, right. You can just do it from the book yourself. Or you can do yeah. a consultant. So I decided right. that I probably wouldn't, I, I lead quite a busy life, so I probably wouldn't be able to give it the time if I didn't have somebody making me do it. I see. Okay. Um, so I, I think that was £75 a session as well as the book. Right. Um, so you didn't have to pay a lump sum up front. Some people have to pay two or $3,000 American t- to that program. For a consultant? No, um, I just paid as I went. Um, okay. You had to pay. I think you bought the book from what I can remember because it was a couple of years ago. You bought the book and then um, you paid for each session when you went okay. in to see him. Um, yes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I won't sit here and go, it's a load of rubbish. It does make sense. But my biggest issue with the Thrive Programme is that they claim to cure everybody from it 
And mm-hmm. if you're not cured, it's because you have not done part of the therapy correctly. Right. And what was it when you met with this consultant that you were sort of asked to do? Because I think a lot of our listeners are really interested in hearing that. Okay, so you work through a book and it's about challenging your, um, what do you call it, your, um, you know, your safety behaviors, a lot of them will have safety behaviors. So it's about dropping your safety behaviors. It's, um, they look at your beliefs. So if you believe in, say, a third party, like if you're spiritual, which I am, um, and mm-hmm. mediums or anybody like that that's you not taking responsibility for your own thoughts and actions uh, yes I found that with the book as well that it, they were very very it was quite anti-religion or any other sort of spiritual whatever yeah if you mm-hmm. even read horoscopes that's you right. taking that's you giving a third party um, some kind of control over your life. Right. Um, yeah. I did struggle a little bit with that because, as I say, I, I have visited mediums and I've got friends that do that as well. Um, but it was very much, I even spoke to the guy that made the Thrive Program. Rob Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did speak to me. He did brilliantly he spent some time he sent me some things the the book I think he's done it on an audio um cast thing for you he sent me a couple of those and said maybe if I listened to them rather than read through them that that might help um you know yes he tried he tried he did I can't fault him for that he didn't just Mm -hmm. say well it's your own fault but again I was led to feel or believe that I had failed the program because I'm not right. You know, they yeah. You're somebody that's had it for fifty years. If you're not cured, it's because you haven't given everything you've been asked to give. But to me, I know I can. It's um, it. I can get really mad just hearing about the Thrive program, to be honest, because I've done a ton of research on it. Um, And first of all, I read the book, I reviewed the book on my website, there are some good things in the book, there are some uh, things that are not wrong or untrue, like, and there are other things that uh, there's a quote that that I had written somewhere that I of his that I liked. the book is a bit, it's self-published and it's a bit amateurishly written and not really written by a professional. So I looked into Rob Kelly, uh, the writer and the, you know, this program, and he is an internet marketer. He says he's a counselor, but he only has a high school education. If you go to his LinkedIn profile, he has never been to university. He has absolutely no education in psychology whatsoever. And he has a number of programs on Thrive, like Cure Your Just About Everything and Thrive. There's one uh, called Cure Your Vaginismus and Thrive, which is a too tight vagina. 
Like, it's like you can, you can cure anything with Thrive, you know. So then I got a bit suspicious. And there are all of these um, uh, people on, like, what do you call them, reviews, and including little short videos. One person told me that they, they make you make a video as part of a program. If you go to some boot camp or something that they have. Yeah, you can go to yeah. and things like that. And you make a video just to sort of show that your confidence level or something like that. So now he uses, you sign a contract and of course um, they're used all over the internet. So it is, it is quite suspect. And it reminds me of about 20 years ago, there was a pro same, almost the same program called Change That's Right Now. Mm -hmm. And it claimed to cure your emetophobia. Um, and they did the same thing. They, they had these telephone consultations, cost about $2,000 American, and they would tell you, well, you know, if you're not better, you're just, you don't want to get better, or mm. you're just not good, you know, you haven't tried. Um, when it, most of it is based on something called Neuro Linguistic Programming, NLP, which I'll again is not... <laughs> what's that? I'll You've had that? that yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, again... It's it's not wrong or untrue, and it, it's about the language you use and, and what you think in your mind, you know, which is a piece of cognitive behavioral therapy, the cognitive part. I'm pointing to my forehead on a podcast now. With <laughs> <laughs> that, as an emitophobe that's had it for a long, long time, when I'm in the throes of a major panic attack, the last thing I can think about is controlling my breathing or concentrating on my breathing. No way. All right. I can think about is that I was going to be ill. So yeah. um, CBT and all that kind of thing just didn't seem to cut it for me because I couldn't think of anything other than that. The cognitive therapy, you mean, as far as? Yeah, CBT. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. No, thank you. And sorry, I've just been handed a drink. Um, <laughs> and the NLP, anything. Um, I've done the tapping. Sorry, I've just tapped my mark. Oh, yes, the EFT. I've done that as well. I, I do find that when you're in the throes of that mindset, it's hard to try and then concentrate on breathing or different thought patterns or how you're talking to yourself in your head. All those things right. go out the window for me anyway, personally. Yeah. Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking because I think that all a lot of our listeners, if not all of them, will relate to this and will feel much better hearing that, you know, because you're a person who it sounds like has really wanted to try to get over this and um, and has been kind of messed over if, if by yeah, a number of people. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's how I feel. I yeah. feel like I've done everything. And I feel like I've failed everything because I've never been able to get rid of it. Yeah. You know, I had my son, which I never mm -hmm. thought I'd have. I'd, I'd even do that. Um, but I was with somebody. I was in quite a good place. Yeah, okay, he'll never leave me. So I won't have to bring up this child on my own, obviously, if he's ill and things like that. And then I found myself after four, he's gone. I'm on oh, no. with, this, with the son. And, you know, there's all these things that I've had to go through that, you know, you, you kind of, do deal with but I always felt like I fail and when he's poorly I move out of the house even now right if he's poorly yeah. I'm, 
I'm gone for, and this probably is quite excessive, but I'm gone for about two weeks. Wow. I have to yeah. stay for two weeks until I come back and I know that the house is completely cleaned. And how old is he now? He's 15. 15. Yeah. Is he on his own when you move out? No, my, I, we've moved back in with my mum because that's another thing I could never do. Um, I could never uh, live on my own because if I, I see. up in the night okay. and I don't feel well, I need somebody right. with me. And now if right. I feel, then I need somebody. So, no, I've never left him in danger or anything like that, but I, yeah. I can't be here myself. And then I feel like Aww. I'm mum. Yes, you're <laughs> not. You're not. not. You're yeah, not. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been difficult. It still is difficult. It, I feel like yeah. I'm a time bomb. I know that at some stage in my life I'm going to be poorly. When's it going to be? I feel like I'm a time bomb all the mm -hmm. time. You know, it, it still yeah. is in my mind all day, every day. Right. Well, um, as a, you know, I, I don't know how much you know about me, but I mean, I'm, I tried about 10 different therapists, therapies as well before I found somebody who I, who helped me mainly because he was just a, a good listener and he wanted to learn. He's like, well, we'll figure this out together kind of thing, you know, um, instead of this arrogant attitude of, I know what's going to fix you. And if, if it doesn't fix you, there's something wrong with you. Mm. You know, where my therapist was, he told me one day that he would think she's not getting better. What's wrong with me? You know, and that's what I wanted uh, was someone like that. But um, since, I mean, the way out of this therapy and out of this phobia, I should say, and every phobia is a good cognitive behavioral therapist who understands and has treated emetophobia and can do gradual exposure with you that, as I said, starts gradually and can teach you the breathing and the full body relaxing so that you practice it like you're an Olympian and that you can call on it when you need, when you need to, but there's a way to teach that to people. Anyway, there, lots of people are helped and healed. And there are some good people in England um, as well who should be able to help you. Uh, you know, I, I hope you keep at it. Uh, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Um, I haven't given up. I didn't give up. And eventually, you know, I, I got better. So there you go. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking. It's going to really help a lot of people. No, no worries. Okay, so first of all, a big thank you to my guest Zoe and to all of you who are listening. We've had over 1,700 podcast downloads so far. I think that's absolutely amazing. Uh, there are costs associated with the podcast, so if you're finding it helpful, you can now buy me a coffee. Just look down to the bottom of the notes on this or any episode. You'll see a link right there that you can click and buy me a coffee for about five bucks um, which is two or three British pounds. I encourage you also to go to my website at www.emetophobiahelp.org. It has a ton of information for both emetophobics and therapists. That's emetophobiahelp.org or just Google emetophobia help and it'll come up at the top. Next week, I lied last week and said that 
this week I'd be talking with Donna Roscoe, but actually it will be next week, I promise. Uh, she is a psychologist and a recovered emetophobic, so that should be really interesting. Talk to you then.